Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help, legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to episode 86 of the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Dennis Kennedy in St. Louis. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. Today's podcast is brought to you by our sponsors. AppRiver, email and web security experts. You can find more about AppRiver at appriver.com. PC Law from LexisNexis, a leading provider of information and business solutions. Get your free 30-day trial at pclaw.com slash radio. And Clio, online practice management for attorneys at goclio.com. In our last podcast, we talked about ways to find information on the web, save it, or find your way back to it later, and ways to even read it later. In this episode, we go a little meta and have a discussion about discussing new ways to have discussions. What's on our agenda for this episode, Tom? Well, Dennis, in this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, we're talking about the lost art of having a conversation on the internet. In our second segment, we're continuing with our new feature called The Rant. And as usual, we'll finish up with that one tip, website, or observation that you can start using the second this podcast is over. But first, uh, let's get started on our, uh, our, our, our title topic, and that is discussions on the internet. Dennis, when you proposed this topic, I, I suppose I was a bit ambivalent about it. After all, I'm, I'm only a member of one listserv that I can recall, uh, at least of any size, and I've never really been a big fan of, of that method of online communication. Still, I find that, uh, that having discussions and conversations on the internet is important, and it, it has changed over time. Um, and, and historically, I think listservs have been the best way for large groups of people to communicate with each other uh, online. Dennis, don't email listservs still work for, for you? You know, I, I was actually placed onto a listserv, and I think you were too, Tom, uh, earlier this year. And I was horrified when that happened. I immediately got in touch with the person and said, first of all, take this off of my work email address and send it somewhere else. But do I really need to be on this? Because we get so much email these days that the idea of having a high-volume uh, email list, um, you know, back in, like in the old days of uh, the Solo Says email list or in, uh, in, in Missouri, we had a great small firm internet group list that, uh, you know, was sort of historically important uh, and a lot of people participated in it. So there was always this – it was always a great way to have uh, discussions where you could kind of throw up ideas and and have people bat them around and, and you know, get information. And it's sort of this, this great group. Uh, but now when you think of adding even more email to what you get, boy, the idea of a, a listserv, you know, is as good as it was in, in the, the old days just seems like something you you really want to have want to avoid. And 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 Tom, I, I part of the idea for this came up because at the end of our last podcast, we talked about creating a discussion group to talk about, you know, for lawyers talking about uh, Evernote. And I suggested putting it on, on as a LinkedIn group, which which we've done. Um, and you raised the question of later of saying, well, is LinkedIn really the best place for that? So that sort of made me want to think about all this. And, and I can tell you the last thing that, I, that made sense to me was was the traditional email list or listserv. Well, I know, and I feel the, I feel the same way about you. But 
as far as listservs are concerned, I belong to, I think, one listserv right now. I belong to a couple mailing lists, but those are for much smaller groups of people. But when we talk about the traditional listserv, the only one that I belong to right now is the, the Max and Law offices, the Milo list. And and frankly, for me, I'm I'm only um, interested in, in, in a small percentage of the traffic on, on that listserv because I, I'm, I joined it for information on iPads and iPhones and to contribute to the conversation. Uh, but uh, there's a lot of volume on that list, and and I'm not particularly interested in because I tend to be more of a PC person uh, for all my other computing needs. But I, you know, one of the questions that I have here is, do d- does this discussion, does this topic, does this conversation that we're having require us to redefine the word discussion, uh, or maybe to define what a discussion means um, today, and and whether that's changed or evolved over time? You know, I I find myself engaged more today in what I would call short conversations or brief interactions. I don't think that 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 I find myself engaged in an area um, that would require a listserv to, uh, to, to hold up on a particular conversation. If I'm going to have a longer discussion with someone, I'm probably going to either take that offline and talk to them on the phone individually um, but uh, or, or find another way of doing it than a listserv. You know, I think that 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 uh, one of the listservs that sort of turned me off of listservs was the Solo Says. I think it's one of the biggest lawyer listservs out there, and, and many members, I think, would swear by it. They think that it's it's a great resource of information on practicing in a solo or small firm, but you need to be prepared for a tidal wave of email if you plan to to join it. Um, you know, I, I, I think that there's a there's a trade-off here for if you join a, a listserv like that, uh, you can always say, well, I don't want to get the tidal wave. I'm going to sign up for a daily digest or a weekly digest, and I will get uh, that email delivered to me or all of the email delivered at, at specific times of the day or the week, and I can then control uh, the volume that I get. But the trade-off there really is um, you lose out on the opportunity to participate in the moment. If there's a conversation that comes up, um, I have frequently seen people responding to digest emails a week but week ahead of time when, when the conversation all all but fizzled out and and everybody had talked about it and gotten what they needed to out of it and uh, and we're pretty much done with it uh, you know on the other hand i think that these lists if if you if you subscribe to the non-digest option may deliver more than uh, than than you're willing to allow into your inbox. So that leaves us, and we talked about the Evernote uh, the Evernote group and and setting that up. Is LinkedIn a better option than listservs? Do you think it works, Dennis? What are your thoughts? Well, you know, we sort of joke about this time with the whole notion of crowdsourcing and all of this, and you throw something out there, whether it be in LinkedIn or Google Plus or all these places, and you're expecting to have this big dynamic and this conversation and people, uh, you know, chipping in with all these different ideas. And, you know, every now and then that's what happens. But, you know, often you sort of throw something out there and it, it just just kind of dies off. And so I think that um, that's maybe something has changed because of all the different options we have is because you're trying to figure out, well, what is a place that I can have a conversation or have a discussion of a certain type 
where the people I want to be involved in that discussion are are going to be there. So back in the old days, I mean, this is all sort of evolution of you know the email listserv, the discussion groups where there are threaded discussions. You could go in and make comments and and that sort of that sort of thing. And we've evolved to more to the era era of social media. And so you'll see these discussions taking place, say in blog comments. It could be on in on LinkedIn group. It could be uh, you know Google Plus comments. It could be on on Facebook, it could be in you know in these uh, like the Google Hangouts, you know, it could be instant messaging, group instant messaging, Skype group, group chat, you know, all these different places. And so what you find is there are a lot of platforms you can have these things, but how how do you get the right people? Uh, on them, and then how do you how do you find you know get those people together so uh, they can actually have some kind of conversation, and and that and and so I th- I think you kind of. As I thought about you know the LinkedIn group as a place for this, I don't think it's a. I think it's a it's a it's a pretty decent uh, place to to put this because I don't expect a lot of high volume discussion. I expect people to kind of you know join gradually and maybe you know share some links and and do that sort of thing. So not like a an intense discussion or not anything that's time limited. Uh, more I'm saying I want an answer like this, but I I, I find Tom for me when I think of the discussion groups and all these options, the example I always go back to is, as I say, would I, you know, I want to buy a new, uh, you know, a laptop backpack or, or case, uh, and I would, lo- you know, travel bag, and, and I know I have all these friends who travel, and I would love to know what they're, what they've bought these days and, 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 you know, and get their recommendations. And I'd love to have this discussion that maybe lasts for like a week or so, where those people can all chip in and say, here's what I like about this, here's what I like about that, and, and get the benefit of that. And that's what I think is, is kind of hard, where back in the old days when you, the listserv was kind of a, you know, like a novel thing, and it was cool to get all those emails that you could have that discussion in a listserv, and those people would probably be part of that list. Now, I think it's it's a lot harder to, you know, to chase those people down, and and so LinkedIn is one option. But I, I sort of these days, you know, think that maybe Facebook is is maybe where we're starting to see more of that type of of discussion. Well, I, I agree with you. Although I will say that if if we take your your computer bag example there, uh, I, I find that, for example, the Milo list is really good about that. So I think I think that to a certain extent, it depends on the community. It depends on the people who are involved and the people who participate. And 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 when you have a group like the Max and Law Office group, you have you definitely have um, some folks who are one willing to give their opinions, uh, give willing to, to to give their suggestions. Uh, very strongly opinionated people on their recommendations for things. And, and I think that that's a great area. I am not completely sold on LinkedIn uh, groups for having conversations. You know, in our Evernote group, I'll give this as an example. Granted, it's only been in existence for two weeks, but you and I both have posted some content, have posted some questions, which my thought is they would generate some discussion or some response, even leave us alone or, or, or whatever. And, and no one has taken the time to respond to that. And, and so I, 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 one question 
people joining groups be to become more consumers than uh, th- than content providers. But uh, the other issue that I that I really have with LinkedIn groups is is that nearly all of the groups that I've joined, unless they are private groups where you can control who comes in, most of the groups have been taken over by consultants or vendors. Um, they, they dominate the conversation. They really don't allow for what I think is a constructive, interesting discussion. Um, it's purely interested in self-promotion. I don't think it makes for a good environment. Some consultants, some vendors will be better than others, but it, it I really think that that it, they have invaded some of these lists, and I think it really makes it uh, makes it more difficult to have a conversation. I like your idea of of Facebook. I find that I have most of my discussions or conversations these days now on social media, whether it's a few quick conversations on Twitter with someone that I see who's either I ask a question or someone's asked a question and I respond to it uh, or something that somebody else has posted. But I also find myself responding a lot more on Facebook to people commenting or or that I want to comment on on their posts. Although I find that that there's fewer people wanting to have a conversation and saying things like, what does anybody think about this? I, I find most people posting things about what they're doing and where they're going and pictures they're taking and so there's less in the uh, in the participatory conversation realm that's going on I, I think what makes it difficult though is uh, that Facebook is one outlet LinkedIn is an outlet Twitter's an outlet how do we uh, how, how do we guarantee that all of our friends all the people we want to have discussions with um, happen to be in the same place there's a lot of different options for this I mean how many um, how many options can you think of off the top of your head Dennis well, I mean, I think earlier I listed about about ten of them, but, but and I think that's just a, a fraction of what's out there, uh, you know. So, and I and I think people are trying new stuff all the time. I remember what a year or so ago at at uh, ABA Tech Show, we were, we were experimenting experimenting with this group instant messaging thing, which for about maybe like half a day, people thought was really great, and then it, it was great. It just totally, it just totally dried up. I mean, it was like the greatest thing when you said, "Hey, I'm coming in from the airport. Who's there at the hotel?" was great but then the next day everybody stopped using it so I, I think that there are a lot of things out there and, and I, I think it's one, again one of these areas where you you tend to gravitate to you know to what you're comfortable with and and where the people are I mean I, I was thinking about the LinkedIn group because time I, I started that group and I would say it was within an hour uh, two of our friends were complaining that you know that they hadn't been invited yet um, you know you know and, and and, you know, so you never know what type of response you're going to get from people. And then and then also look back. Tom, I got to say the greatest discussion group I was ever part of was the what we called the, the Between Lawyers Back Channel email list where you, uh, Marty Schwimmer, Denise Howell, Ernie Svensson, and me just uh, – we – we just had this ongoing discussion by email on a regular basis. So you had the right people and you had a, a medium where people could uh, could use it. Now I think it's a little bit harder because you, you do have people scattered in in different areas. And then I also think that it's made a it's made me think about what what type of conversation or what kind of discussion do I want to have? So I'm not really good at at responding to comments on, on my blog or answering people on Twitter and, and stuff. So those those don't seem to work for for me so well. But but I do but I have started to think about 
you know, how to think about discussions. You know, do I want to, what type of discussion is it going to be? Is it going to be synchronous where I want to have it in more or less real time where it's happening over the course of a, a day or two? Or asynchronous where the ideas just sort of floating out there and people can respond to it, you know, as, as they feel like? Is it a short-term discussion, a long-term discussion? Um, as you said, is it private, which, you know, I, I really tend to lean toward? Or is it the, the, a public thing where they used to call it the lazy web or crowdsourcing where you throw this idea out there and you just see, you know, what response you get and, and let that evolve as it will. So I think there are a lot of, a lot of you know, options out there and, it's, and you tend to gravitate toward what might work for you. But it just seems like they're, it, each thing is so independent. It's like the, you know, it's, a, it's the curse of having too many choices these days. Well, I, I think that there are too many choices, and and we've been, I think, maybe unnecessarily negative about most of the choices we've talked about today. And, and I think that what you say is really the best tip that we can give everybody today, which is figure out what kinds of conversations and discussions you want to have, and then find the right tool for those conversations. I, I think, unfortunately, there's not a right answer. Uh, there's not there's not the, the one tool that everybody's going to be happy with. And frankly, I'm not going to be happy with just one tool. I may be happy with multiple tools like I'm like I'm using right now. Um, you know, in, in addition to what we've talked about, my, you know, to raise my earlier issue about uh, talking on Facebook and on LinkedIn and on Twitter, uh, there are a number of dashboard tools for all of your social media accounts uh, for, for keeping track of specific conversations in social media. There's a, there's a, a tool called, in, I, I'm going to call it Engageo. I'll put a link to it on the show notes, E-N-G-A-G dot I-O, or Nimble. They're both places that will import all of your social networks and keep track of the conversations you're having, whether it's uh, within or between networks. And so it's. It, I think they're looking at very interesting ways to uh, to help you put all of that together. Uh, I, I can't say, though, don't join a listserv or don't join a LinkedIn group. There are definitely, I think, lots of useful groups out there to join and get information from, and it depends. Do I do What kind of information do I want? Do I want to participate, as Dennis said, either synchronously or asynchronously, either in the moment or uh, in, a, in a relaxed way? Uh, is it a private thing with a group like the Between Lawyers, or is it more public, like the Lazy Web? I've never had a lot of experience with the lazy web or crowdsourcing, but a lot of people have had success with that. So I think that 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 uh, we, we want to have different availability. We want to talk in real time. Some of us can only have conversations on nights or weekends. We've got to make these decisions for ourselves and, uh, and, and find the right tools to match our particular styles. Dennis, any closing tips before we wrap up this segment? As I thought about this, I, I sort of think it, it's the movement is definitely toward Facebook. Um, you know that that has such a great platform for you know all these different things you can do. You know the comments, uh, you can chat, you can video chat, all in in one place. And then and so I, I look at those things and you know the the Google Plus Hangouts where you can do the the quick video chat. So I I think that those types of things are 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 really useful. But but I sort of think you, you you're going to want to stay in one place. And and that to me just just feels like Facebook at the moment. Before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick break with a few words from our sponsors, AppRiver, PC Law by LexisNexis, and Clio. Hi, my name is Kay Kenny from Legal Talk Network, and I'm joined by Jack Newton, president of Clio. 
Jack is going to talk to us about the benefits of cloud computing. Now, what do you think the single biggest benefit to cloud computing is? In talking to our customers recently uh, about that very question, I was surprised with what came back with as, as a really resounding response, and, and that was that it's the convenience and the freedom that cloud computing affords them. The ability to get their work done from anywhere, whether it's at their office, at the courthouse, at home, or even if they're on vacation, they're able to get their work done where and when they need to get it done. Uh, the mobile aspect of things is also increasingly important. Well, with cloud-based software, you can access your data and software from your iPhone or your iPad, uh, your BlackBerry, uh, and other mobile devices. So for the uh, lawyers that are on the move, which is an increasing uh, proportion of lawyers, that's a, a really key benefit as well. We've been talking to Jack Newton, president of Clio. Thank you so much, Jack. Thank you. And if anyone wants additional information on Clio, they can feel free to visit www.goclio.com. That's G-O-C-L-I-O.com. If you like listening to the Kennedy Mile Report, you might also like the podcast, Law Technology Now on LegalTalkNetwork.com. Protect your firm's email with AppRiver. Send confidential emails with confidence using AppRiver's CypherPost Pro email encryption service. With CypherPost Pro, you'll control who sees your messages, and a patented delivery slip will show you when they're received and opened. There's no hardware or software to manage. You can cancel any time, and you get a 30-day free trial. All backed by AppRiver's phenomenal care. Visit AppRiver.com, that's A-P-P-River.com, or call 866-223-4645. Tired of all the headaches of running your law firm? Want to spend your time doing what really matters? Then you need PC Law. PC Law from LexisNexis is the legal industry's best-selling matter, billing, and accounting software. It has never been easier to manage your law firm and serve your clients. Get back to doing what matters to you. For a free trial, go to PCLaw.com radio. That's PCLaw.com radio. Or call us at 800-685-2161 today. You can advertise with us at Legal Talk Network and have your own commercial play in this podcast. Just give us a call anytime at 781-551-9960 or shoot us an email at admin at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We're glad you're listening to Legal Talk Network. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, too. And welcome back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. In this segment, which we call The Rant, we unleash Tom on a tech topic that has irritated him lately. I'll then take a devil's advocate position, which I might or might not even agree with, and Tom will come back and destroy all of my arguments. It should be fun. Tom, what's bugging you today? Well, you know, this week, I'm I'm not going to call what I'm going to talk about so much a rant as a confusion. And maybe people who are listening, maybe I will crowdsource this to our listeners and and see if if you can give a good answer to this. I am confused about emails that I've been getting lately. Someone is taking the time to go to my blog and to email me, but the emails all come from different email addresses, but they look very, very similar. Uh, They will say things like, I came across your blog a few weeks ago while conducting research for a website that I contribute to. They all start out the exact same way. They're all about websites in different areas. 
forensic psychology, child development, financial, privacy, uh, online privacy. They're all matters that have nothing to do with my blog, and they're all people who are offering to post to my blog or to write something for my blog without apparently understanding who my target audience in the legal technology field is. Um, the emails that I have for my Gmail account say that some of these email addresses may be phishing. They may be uh, not coming from the person that says they're coming from. And so I have a, my, my question is, what is this? What are these emails and who are they coming from? I, obviously, I'm ignoring them. It, it, it may be that these are folks who are trying to uh, to post things on, on websites because they believe that it becomes good marketing, but it doesn't really explain the poor grammar or the fact that Google thinks that it's phishing. Dennis, any thoughts on, on why the heck I'm getting these emails and, and can I get it to stop? Well, I, you know, I don't know. I, it is puzzling in some ways, and it sort of feels like these. You see, big uptick in uh, uptick in these uh, early in the summer. It almost seems like you know somebody's given a summer intern a job of like you know contact all these blogs and see if we can do guest posts, kind of thing. But but you're right. There is there's something that makes you feel like you do not want to to respond to these things at all. You know, it really does feel like a phishing thing. You know, I mean, I would never click a link in in any of these things. And then you're right. It's it's an odd it's an odd thing. So I, when I get the although I will say when I get the request for somebody to do a guest post, I sort of say like, well, I'm already feeling guilty. I'm not posting enough to my blog. Do, and now are you rubbing it in? And is it, is it really that seem that bad that <laughs> somebody needs to guest post? But, but yeah, it, there's a lot of stuff out there, and and you get you see some things that are you know somebody will say. Uh, hey, here's a link. I forget it was like from uh, you know uh, from a very prominent website saying you have a link to my site from like you know seven eight years ago, and it's not the type of link that we want. And and it looks like and to me, I think it was like Overstock.com or something like that. And then the what they wanted the address to be was you know like www.overstock.com, and and it made no sense to me, but it made me very suspicious about well, what's what's going on out there. And so I, it's really hard to understand. And and there's so much phishing and other you know other things going on out there that any of these things does make me suspicious and I ignore them because I figure if somebody really wants to contact me or has some idea that, um, you know, may not be the politest thing of me to do, but I figure they'll get back to me, you know, and, and, and ask again, cause that's, you know, a lot of people typically do that. Ask me if I've overlooked their, their email. So if, if somebody, you know, contacts me the second time, I'll pay them a little bit more attention to it, but you're right. Tom, I, I, I think it is a puzzle, but that there's probably more going on beneath the surface than uh, than we expect, and and probably it's good to be wary of it. Well, what, what reminds me of, and I I just noticed this today. I'll post this link in the in the show notes. Um, there was a a post at the Talking Points Memo blog. It's a political blog, but uh, they recently got uh, an email. Uh, for a link removal request. And what it turned out was that uh, a particular insurance company in Australia had hired an SEO company to spam the comments of this this Teep Talking Points Memo blog. And so if you go to the individual post, you'll find at the, at the bottom of that post, sure enough, there's a spam comment, has nothing to do with the topic of the, of the, the, the blog post, but it's a link 
to a spam site. Now that spam site has determined that it is unfavorable for them to have that link there. So now they're actually coming to Talking Points Memo and demanding that they remove the link that was spammed there in the first place, which I think is just outrageous. And and I sort of view these emails that I'm getting as sort of this invidious type of uh, way of, of people trying to get into uh, my blog to try to uh, to 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 put some sort of uh, uh, link farm together so that I'm uh, become a link to content on the internet that uh, people are profiting from and not necessarily in a good way. I know that that Google adjusted its algorithm a while back to deal with link farms, but but when I go to I, I clicked on a couple of the links in these emails, ho- hoping that they wouldn't take me to bad sites, and they haven't. But they're clearly sites that are just. Uh, just for content purposes, they don't appear to, to to be that worthwhile, and and I really think that there are some what I would call nefarious uh, nefarious motives going on here. I just wish that they would stop. I guess it's not going to stop, but there's I guess my curious curiosity has now become uh, more of a rant. Well, you know, it's always good to be suspicious. Unfortunately, it's not like the early days of the internet when we all trusted each other and and everything was was fun, but. Uh, but now it's time for our parting shots. That one tip, website, or observation you can use the second this podcast ends. Tom, take it away. You know, my parting shot is not news to a lot of people, especially Mac users out there, but it's something that I've been using now for the last couple of months, and I really, really love it, and it's called Scrivener. Scrivener is a software product uh, that is designed for writers, and I've been working on the second edition of my iPad book and getting ready to uh, to write my iPad for Litigator's book, and uh, I, I find that Scrivener is a great tool. If, if you're trying to write a book using just Word, uh, Word processing program, uh, you're starting at the very beginning of a document and you're just typing until you're done. With with Scrivener, you can actually get a corkboard and put your ideas up there and you can move from idea to idea and write about that and then compile it and put it pull it all together when you're uh, when you're uh, uh, done with it. Uh, it. It it allows you to keep notes and research so that you've got your research sitting right there with you as you're writing. Um, I think it's a terrific terrific tool for the writing process. It's designed not just for for people like me writing a book, but but I, I, there's actually some specific tools built in there for for screenwriters, uh, for other types, novelists, uh, nonfiction writers. It's got some specific templates put together for uh, scripts and things like that. I think it's a great tool. It's 40 bucks, but I think it's totally worth it. Scrivener. Yeah, Tom, I've heard nothing but good things about Scrivener as part of my much discussed, and maybe I'll get around to it, total technology overhaul. Scrivener is definitely going to be a piece of where I where I go next. My parting shot is, uh, is a great blog post from Katie Floyd called How I Use Evernote, which fits into our Evernote theme from, from last year. And it's just a great example of, of the type of thing that, uh, that Katie does uh, with, with David Sparks as part of their Mac Power Users podcast, where it's just a great post where she says, here's Evernote, and I like it, and here's what I use it for. And let me just put that out there and see what people think, and maybe people have other ideas or suggestions. And it's a really nice, comprehensive uh, you know, and thoughtful, thoughtful post that you know we want, and we put it up on our LinkedIn group as because it's a great conversation starter on how to uh, on how people might use Evernote. So, uh, Katie Floyd's uh, on her blog, "How I Use Evernote." I think it's a great blog post, and and I've already started using some of the tips that she mentioned to become a better Evernote user. 
So that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mall Report. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Uh, information on how to get in touch with us, as well as links to all the topics we discussed today, uh, is available on our show notes blog at tkmreport.com. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast at the Legal Talk Network site or in iTunes. And if you have questions or suggestions for upcoming episode topics, please email us at tkmreport at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at tkmreport. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy, and you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report on the Legal Talk Network, the premier online legal media network. Participate in the legal tech discussion by subscribing to this podcast on iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network.